Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. When we come to Acts chapter number 6, I've already mentioned the uh, uh, just uh, kind of coming to this passage in a couple of recent services, and uh, I will also visit a couple of other passages that we have uh, used as proof text or uh, comparative passages in other messages that we've brought uh, within the last few months. Uh, but here I want to highlight something about the Word of God. Of course, I have in this uh, study, this is our uh, sixth message in this study considering the subject some words about the Word. And just uh, what we would call in, in, uh, in ministry and preaching terms a topical study or a topical message about what the Bible says about itself. And uh, just I, I've tried to look at the passages of the Word of God that uh, talk about itself in a way that uh, and, and draw some thoughts that we normally don't hear a lot about. Uh, but tonight I want us to look back at this passage last time we were here uh, we took, we looked at Acts chapter number 6 and in particular we looked at verse number 2 and we dealt with the context here of this passage and of course uh, this is part of the uh, early ministry of what we would call the New Testament church. This is still uh, very early in the uh, in the ministry of the apostles in the book of Acts as uh, is known as the book of Acts because it is the Acts of the apostles that tells us about the Acts of the apostles that they uh, took right after the Lord had given them the Great Commission in Acts chapter number 1. And right after they were uh, filled with the Holy Ghost and God uh, began to use them in a mighty way after empowering them on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2. And so they're beginning their ministry uh, for Christ but yet without Him in a bodily form and without Him uh, in their presence. And they are uh, picking up the work that Jesus left off. They are uh, running with the ministry, if you will, and uh, going on for God, serving in the Great Commission, beginning with Jerusalem, and then eventually to make uh, the way uh, toward uh, the uttermost part of the earth, as Acts 1-8 talks about. But here in this uh, passage of Scripture, of course, we uh, realize that in the early part of the ministry, the apostles were uh, doing the labor of the local church all on their own and by themselves. Uh, They were the ones that were preaching the gospel sharing the gospel, starting the churches and uh, discipling people and and just uh, doing the work of the ministry and they were holding all of the burden upon uh, themselves and they were bearing the load of the ministry and in Acts chapter number 6 we find that that began to create a problem as the church began to grow and so we understand as we've already talked about the problem uh, in verse number 1 was that in those days the number of disciples was multiplied the church was growing, the followers of Christ were going and growing. And so because of that, there was a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews uh, because their widows were being neglected in the daily ministration, the daily distribution of food and goods and meeting needs. They were being neglected. They just simply uh, were looked over, were forgotten about, or uh, something caused them to be, as the Bible says, neglected. And so we talked about the problem that brought about the, uh, that brought about the need for the deacons to come and be the servants uh, 
of the early church and to come alongside of the apostles and to, as the text says, serve tables so that the apostles would not have to leave the Word of God to serve the growing congregation of the early church. We've talked about that. But in verse number 2, we began, uh, or we, we talked about the last time we were in this passage about uh, an emphasis on the Word of God that this passage brings about. And that is in verse 2 where the Bible said, And the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and said, It is not reason that we should leave the Word of God and serve tables. <coughs> and so in verse number 3, we see that they were told to look out among themselves seven men of honest report full of uh, the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. Then in verse 4 it gives another emphasis on the Word of God and that is where it says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So it was a problem that had a solution. God uh, called the servants and the church uh, of the, that day chose among themselves individuals that would be their servants. And so as we looked at that we saw the need for the deacons. We saw, as I mentioned on Sunday night, as we were voting a, a concept about nomination that we see displayed here in these verses. But what I wanted you to see when we originally uh, went to this passage is that these verses, verse 2 and verse 4, tells us of the, uh, of the impact and of the importance of the ministry of the Word in the original creation of this office. God's saw the Word of God in the ministry of the New Testament church and so did these apostles as so important that he was willing to create an entire office of servants to make sure that the Word of God always stayed at the forefront of the church and it should be that way even in our day. But when we come tonight I want us to look not just at verse 2 and verse 4, but I want to say something that we find in the last verse that I read in your presence this evening, and that's verse number 7. We have seen the problem that caused the deacons to need to be nominated and to be, uh, to be uh, approved of and to enter into the uh, normal function of the church. We saw the problem uh, that uh, the, they were solving just by their uh, service in the church. But then in verse number 7, we see the result of that office being created and the result of now the apostles not having to leave the Word of God to serve tables, not having to leave the ministry of the Word and prayer in order to make sure everyone was taken care of and everyone was ministered to. And that is verse number 7 where the Bible says following their ordination in verse number 6 and they're beginning to labor in their, the area in which they were being ordained to labor in verse Seven says, and the word of God increased. Now that was exactly their intention and exactly their uh, desire. Amen. Was for the ministry of the word to not be neglected, and for the ministry of the people not to be neglected. And here we find this uh, faithful, uh, this faithful injection of this role and the fulfillment of this role of now God's man and God's servant to the church, the deacon working 
thing, working together in a great way for God's glory. And the result of that is that the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. I do not know if there is any church, including ours, that would not say that the heart's desire of a church should be that the ministry of the Word grow and increase. That the Word of God is getting out in greater ways than it was before. I think we as a church want to see that happen. Amen. I thank God for how the Word of God has spread to our community in years gone by and, and in days gone by and even in present day uh, through the ministry of this church. Amen. I'm thankful that our church has been used of God to see the gospel go forth, to see the Word of God go out. Amen. To see people grow in their faith and to come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But amen, I don't think any of us, despite how much the Word of God has went out from this congregation and into our community and into the world, I don't think any of us would say that we would not want to see the Word of God increase. Amen. I think we all want to see the ministry of this church go farther and reach farther and see more and more souls saved by the grace of God because the Word of God is increasing. Amen. And the number of the disciples, not just the number of those getting saved, but the numbers of those getting saved in Jerusalem and then being discipled, amen, and becoming not just uh, uh, Christians in the sense of being born again and being uh, saved enough to go to heaven, but they are truly followers of Christ now. They are disciples. They are have grown in their faith to do more than just uh, be uh, saved individuals, but they are being as saved individuals. The Word of God has come to them, and they are growing because of their contact with the Word of God. Not just the uh, f people being saved is increasing, but the number of disciples in Jerusalem is multiplying, not just adding, amen, uh, soul winning is adding, amen, at times, amen, but also the ministry of soul winning of the church is that not just should we add one, but that the church and the ministry and those being saved should multiply, amen. And uh, so I think we understand what's being said here. The Bible says that it ministered in their Jerusalem, in their area where they were ministering greatly, and no doubt we want that. And then it's also interesting where it said a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. These were hard cases. Uh, these were individuals that wouldn't have been easy to reach uh, with the gospel, but they are being reached with the gospel because God's man realized there was a problem in carrying everything by himself, and he under the under the leadership of God rather has, has encouraged their congregation, nominates you some servants that will labor with us, and we will work together, and because of that, God blessed that uh, faithful work in the ministry of the apostles to see the Word of God increase. So what I want you to see this evening is that when God's Word is uh, declared, when it is preached, uh, when it is when it goes forth into the ears of the hearer, and it is received by the hearers, that its effects will spread. In other words, because now the, uh, the apostles were able to give themselves completely and totally over to the ministry of the Word and prayer, God allowed more people to come in contact with the Word of God, and because of that, they didn't 
just have additions to their church as we see at the end of Acts chapter number 2 they were added unto the church daily such as should be saved it was not just additions to the church but now the church is multiplying now it is growing by even greater amounts by leaps and bounds amen so the effects of God's word is spreading in our text and can I just remind you this evening that the effects of God's word if it worked in Jerusalem it will work in Lexington South Carolina amen it will work in Lexington County it will work in the churches of this world God's word cannot be contained unless we contain it but if we will get the word of God out and amen let the word of God uh, loose if I can put it that way it will spread and its effects will uh, will spread to this lost and dying world so we need to remember that when we consider what the Bible says about itself here in Acts chapter number 6 it is important to God it is important enough to God that God created an office to make sure it was always at the forefront of the church's ministry because when it is at the forefront of the church's ministry it will be effectual in the lives of those that receive it both in and out of the body of Christ amen and that those outside of Christ's body will be saved and will be put in Christ's body in Christ's family and they will be uh, used of God to see the word of God spread and the effects of God's word will spread and grow amen I thank God for that let me ask you this evening before we move on to the next thought do we really care about God's word spreading do we really want there to be an effect of God's word in our church how much does God's word matter to you as an individual how much does it matter to you as a family how much does it matter to us as a church and as a congregation it will do what it did in this early church if we will let it and if we will have the same priorities as this early church amen if we want our church to be effective like the Jerusalem church we must have the same priorities that they had and their number one priority was prayer and the word one of the two most important ministries in every church prayer and the ministry of the word and so we see God's word when it is preached and it is taught and it is received amen it's effect spread but, but so I want just now tonight to go to Acts chapter number 13 Acts chapter number 13 this is the 15th truth I'll give you in these what is now six messages tonight Acts chapter number 13 this is going to be very brief but notice what the Bible says here by this time the ministry of Paul and Barnabas has begun the ministry of the Apostle Peter has uh, has somewhat waned in its effectiveness as far as the book of Acts in terms of how much uh, time on the pages of Scripture is given to the ministry of Peter toward the end of the book of Acts. First part deal with Peter a little bit a couple of chapters will deal with Philip and then some other chapters will deal with Peter again and then the majority of the rest of the book will deal with Paul and Paul's ministry and so we come to Acts 13 the uh, emphasis of Peter being the main character of the book of Acts has began to wane a little bit and Paul and Barnabas have emerged as the major characters of now the actions of the body of Christ beginning here in Acts chapter number 13 and it really begins with this passage of scripture 
Scripture in which they are ordained and they are sent out of their local church, the church of Antioch, and they are sent out as God's representatives. Verse 1 says, Now there was in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as, uh, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, which uh, had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. So they are put being set aside. The God has called them, and they are being asked to be put aside by the church, to be separated, literally to be ordained for a work. Verse number 3 says, And when they had fasted and prayed they and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. That laying on of hands, that was the act of ordination that we still do today. Verse 4 says, As so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. By the way, in those two verses, the action of the church laying their hands on the uh, individuals to be ordained and sent out, and the action of the Holy Ghost in sending them are put together. God is putting an interconnected link between the heart of the church and the ministry of the church in ordination and the desire of the Holy Ghost in ordination. It ought to always be that way. Verse 4, So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Notice the stops they're making. They're going from one city to the next, okay? That is part of the ministry of the, of the local church. It's part of the ministry of a child of God. It is in particular the entire narrative of the book of Acts going from one place to the other proclaiming God's Word. Verse 5, and when they were at Salmas, this is a different place, they preached, notice that, the Word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the aisle onto Paphos, uh, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with uh, the deputy of the country, Ser uh, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul, and notice this phrase, and desired to hear the Word of God. And the Bible says that he desired to hear the Word of God. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go into the rest of this passage of Scripture, uh, but uh, the Bible does tell us here that he desired to hear the Word of God. Verse 8, there was a sorcerer that came in wanting to, well, I, I guess if I'm, if I'm going to give you the narrative, we might as well read it together. Verse 8, but Elymas the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So this Elymas here, this is another name for the Bar-Jesus, the sorcerer mentioned in verse number 6. The deputy they're talking about has already been named in verse number 7 as Sergius Paulus. Notice what the Bible here says, that this Elymas or this Bar-Jesus is trying to turn away the deputy from the faith. He's trying to go after Sergius Paulus and try to convince him not to be saved. Verse number 9 says, then Paul, who was also, or Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. There's a lot of preaching in that one phrase, but I'm going to have to move on. In other words, he targeted him. Amen. Somebody's trying to pull him away from Jesus. God's man essentially said, you're not going to do that while I'm around and while I'm standing here. Amen. Set his eyes on him. Amen. Set him as a target. Amen. Verse number 10 says, and said, oh, full of all subtlety and all all mischief. By the way, it would be good if our preacher started talking like that again. He may, um, instead of instead of uh, trying to appeal to all kinds and baby all kinds and try to get uh, the approval of all kinds. Amen. And just as the old timers used to say, tip.
tiptoe around the tulips in the pulpit. Amen. Amen. But just uh, as they used to say, just have a backbone like a backbone like a saw log. Amen. And preach the word of God. Verse number nine says, "And Saul, who's also called Paul, filled the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert? Amen. Or to twist, to mangle, to corrupt? He said, Cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about uh, seeking some to lead him by the hand. Then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed. Amen. When he saw what God did, he believed. Being astonished, notice this, at the doctrine of the Lord. What's the doctrine of the Lord? It's, it's the teachings of God's Word. It's the teachings of the Christian faith. Amen. That's what we can apply it to. Verse 13, then says, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to, per they came to Perga in, in Pamphylia, and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. So when you come to verse 13 for the rest of the chapter, they're going again. They, they've had that stop. They've ministered. They've served God. They've had to do so with intensity. They've combated uh, this one that wanted to turn uh, this uh, individual, this Sergius Paulus, this deputy away from the faith, and they were faithful in doing that and in doing their best to see this one come to Christ. And then once that one came to Christ, they went to the next city and they began to preach again. Amen. But I, I'm, I'm amazed by that. They keep going to the next city and the next city and the next place and they preach the Word of God and they declare uh, the history of Israel and how God blessed and just what the Scriptures teach. Amen. But look at verse number 44 with me. Uh, they've come here now. Uh, the Bible says here in verse 44, and the next Sabbath day came. Almost, notice this now, almost the whole city together to hear the Word of God. And when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. They were, they were uh, just by <coughs> preaching the Word of God <coughs> and giving the truth <coughs> of the Word of God. They were drawing such multitudes and such crowds that it made the Jews jealous that they had crowds that the Jews didn't have. They were filled with envy. And you say, preacher, what do those two things have to do with each other? I think about when the Bible talks about this Sergius Paulus in Acts 13, 7 and talks about his desire to hear the Word of God. And then in Acts 13, verse 44 where the Bible says that the whole city together came to hear the Word of God. I'm simply reminded tonight that there, while we live in a day where it doesn't feel like it, and we have conversations with people, and it doesn't sound like it, and it seems like in our churches we're uh, running more than we're keeping. Amen. I heard uh, my dear friend, Brother Josh Montgomery, say one time he was at a ball game, and there was a deacon there from a local church in the area, and they asked, uh, asked him, found out he was a pastor, and said, how many of y'all running? He said, well, we're running about four or 5,000. We're only keeping about 50 or 60. Amen. And uh, that's that's the way a lot of our churches are. Amen. Uh, and it seems like in a day where that is more common in uh, churches all across our land, amen, we would, be, uh, we would be almost pressed to say that we live in a world where there's people that don't want to hear the Word of God. And while that is true, the account of the Scriptures remind us that there are still people that desire to hear the Word of God. If you are preaching God's Word, amen, why 
while everyone in while everyone in these last days in the apostate generation we're living in by and large may not want to hear it thank God there is still some folks that want to hear it and desire to hear it and what I'm amazed by here in Acts 13 verse 7 is that when it talks about Sergius Paulus desiring to hear the word of God he wasn't even a Christian but when he wanted to hear the word of God that must mean that there's something in our message, amen, that, that a lost person can, even in a lost condition, see somewhat value in. Here we find in Acts 13, 7 with Sergius Paulus that his desire for the Word of God began with nothing more than just simple intrigue in the message. And I will say this, while the world denies it, and while the world may not and by and large want to have anything to do with it, amen, thank God there is a great intrigue into the message of the gospel. Our message has something. Amen. God's message of the gospel that we preach as a local New Testament Bible-believing church. Amen. Does have something. Amen. That the rest of the messages they'll ever hear does not have. Amen. All of the religions of the world they have their messages. They have their doctrines. They have their teaching. But they do not have a message like we have. Amen. They have. I think about those in uh, the Muslim world. Amen. And in Islam, they teach that their God designs that you die for Him in order to receive eternal life. Amen. I know it's cliche in our day, in our churches, but thank God we have a message where our God died for us. Amen. That we could enjoy heaven and reward in paradise one day. Amen. You think about the Buddhists, they say, well, you have to enter into a state of nirvana and you have to enter into a place of peace. Amen. And uh, you've got to do it on your own with uh, some of our teachings and then uh, still give no promise of eternal life. Their nirvana is here on earth. Amen. I'm glad to report to you that we have a message tonight that offers hope and help in heaven. Amen. And you don't have to have a bed of roses on the earth and you don't have to have a state of nirvana on the earth. Amen. But someone died in our place. Amen. That whosoever will just by belief and just by choosing and accepting Christ, amen, may not have the best this world has to offer, but in their heart they'll have the best heaven has to offer in the Son of God. And then we have heaven and hope, amen, to look forward to at the end of it all. We have a message that does uh, cause those that are at the end of their rope and those that would be honest with themselves in their lost condition, there's something in it for them. There should be an intrigue on their part, and we need, as a church of, and body of Christ, to need, we need to <coughs> stop zoning our focus in on the fact about those that don't want to hear it and be faithful to give the message and to be faithful to preach the gospel and be faithful to pass out gospel tracts and be faithful to invite folks to church and be faithful to tell people our testimonies about how God saved us and changed us, not because there may be a million that do not care and do not want to know, but because there may be one, or there may be ten, or there may be a hundred, that'll be intrigued by what they hear, so much so they'll allow God to work in their life like Sergius Paulus did, as God did a major work in his presence, and it drew him to saving faith as he believed, amen, and I thank God for that, just because he was astonished at the doctrine of the Lord, amen, and I 
I'm, I'm just so encouraged by that as an individual. Amen. That an individual would desire the Word of God. But I'm also encouraged by verse 44 where the Bible said a whole city came together to hear the Word of God. It may not be common, but thank God it is still possible. Thank God it should be prayerful among God's people. I believe, amen, you and I ought to change our perspective from expecting everyone to say no and just be prayerful and ask God for someone that will say yes, amen, and be saved by the grace of God. So we see this here, Acts 13, 7. We see, amen, that some will desire to hear the Word of God and how encouraging that is. Now look with me at Acts chapter number 14 tonight. Acts chapter number 14. Acts chapter number 14. <clears throat> Here, as I've already mentioned, beginning in chapter number 13, really, all the way at the beginning of the book of Acts, there is a progression as the apostles faithfully uh, faithfully and act, act upon the uh, commission that Christ gave them. They go from place to place preaching the gospel, giving the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ beginning in Jerusalem, spreading out. It has already went from Jerusalem uh, to Samaria by this time and it's working its way from Jerusalem through Judea, uh, through Samaria and it's working its way to the uttermost part of the earth which by the way if you sit here in this service tonight and you've heard the gospel and I know you have not only in this church but in your life amen you are sitting in a place that is the uttermost part of the earth from where Acts 1-8 was given and thank God the ministry of the gospel did reach the uttermost part of the earth amen I'm a benefit of that and so are you here in Acts chapter number 7 they are now entering into this area of Iconium the God does a work there in Iconium they move to Derby and to Lystra Paul is stoned in Lystra and left for dead after doing a great work for God there. Verse number 19, he's stoned and left for dead. Verse number 20, Paul picks himself up. The Bible just simply says he arose and he came into the, came into the city. They went to the next city. The Bible says in verse number 21 there, the Bible says, and when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. So they make their way from Antioch. They make their way to Lystra and Derby. They make their way uh, to those areas and then they begin to make their way back to the city of Antioch. That is how you can uh, map Paul's missionary's journeys. When one missionary journey ends, it is because he has made his way back to the church at Antioch, which was his home church. It was his sending church. He would go back home and that would be the end of a missionary journey. Here we find uh, Paul concluding a missionary journey as he makes his way back to the city of Antioch. Verse number 22 said, as they made that journey back, they were confirming the souls of the disciples. In other words, they were establishing them, discipling them, encouraging them, strengthening them as they went back and as they visited the places they'd already ministered and seen individuals saved by God's grace. They exhorted them, verse 22, to continue in the faith. That was part of their discipleship. Do not quit. Do not give up. Keep on going for Christ. Then he says that we must, um, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. They were facing persecution. Paul did not uh, did not hide that fact, but he laid it before them and made it an expectation of them. 
<coughs> verse 23, and when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom uh, they believed. Verse 24, and after they had passed throughout Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had noticed this, preached the word in Perga, they went down uh, into Italia. And then, then uh, sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. This is just another, this is just another thought that's not part of the message tonight. But verse 28 said, when they got back home and they got back to church from serving God and the other places they went, they made sure they were in church a long time. Amen. They made sure they were with their local church a long time. Amen. That'd be a good practice for all of us to make sure we stay into. Amen. But here, notice the, the whole emphasis of these verses is them being sent from Antioch and then between uh, chapter, beginning of chapter 13 to the end of chapter 14, they're going from one city to the next city to the next city to the next city and then they turn around and they make their way back and they go to all of the areas they've already preached in that they've already sold. If you can say they were soul winners in and they preached the gospel in, they turn back around and they're discipling as they head back. And all the while the Bible says that they were preaching the word. And this is not a complicated point. Dr. Caldwell's preached this and Brother Lewis has preached this. But I simply want to remind you when the Bible speaks about itself, the Bible does tell us that the practice of a New Testament Christian, not just a New Testament preacher, but I believe a New Testament Christian is, is that everywhere we go we ought to be preaching the Word of God. Amen. Brother Caldwell said it many times to me before we'll get to talking about uh, messages that God's laid on his heart to preach. And, and I started talking to him about how I can't wait to get him on the calendar and get him up here and let him preach what God's put on his heart and can't wait to hear what God's put on his heart. We'll talk about it and he'll always remind you. He'll, he'll say, preacher, I don't need a pulpit to preach. He said, I try to preach everywhere I go. And that's the way a Christian ought to be. Amen. I thank God for that testimony. Amen. But in the work of God's ministry, we should be preaching the word of God everywhere we go. Here the Bible says that they preach the word on all their journeys through those cities, all the way back through those cities. What were they doing? They were preaching the word of God. Now let me say this. I do believe that the ministry of preaching is a special and specific calling for some. In this room there are, as far as I know, three individuals, amen, that have give, been given a specific and special calling of God to preach. That is myself, the pastor of this church, Brother Louis Stankwis, the assistant pastor of this church, and then Dr. Thomas Caldwell, our pastor emeritus and founding pastor. The three of us have been given that specific and special calling of God to preach His Word. Although I believe that the testimony of the New Testament resounds to the fact that it does not simply take a special and specific calling to preach for you to be a preacher of the gospel. Amen. I do believe as far as preaching in the pulpit and having a preaching ministry and being the pastor of a church. But when I say that not that that there is, uh, there is an element of preaching the gospel in the life of every believer, I'm not talking about what I'm doing tonight, but I'm talking about spreading the message of the Word of God. Amen. Wow. It is a special and specific calling for some. It is a serious commandment and a serious commission for all Christians that we are to preach the Word of God in the sense of uttering a sound. Uh, amen. The word preach means to utter a 
voice or to emit a sound, to use the tongue or the faculty of speech, to use words to declare one's mind and to disclose one's thoughts, to utter or to speak articulately, to speak fluently, to speak coherently, to speak eloquently, to speak persuasively, to speak communicatively, amen, concerning some matter or some truth. When we talk about preaching the Word of God, not as a pulpiteer, not as a pastor, not as an evangelist, not as a missionary, not as a lay preacher in a church ministry, pulpit ministry, but as a Christian, you and I should be using our tongues and the faculty of speech to declare forth God's mind and to utter God's thoughts, amen, to this world that we're living in. We ought to give the message of the gospel and the message of the Bible clearly. We ought to give it articulately. We ought to give it fluently. We ought to give it coherently. We ought to give it eloquently. We ought to give it persuasively. We ought to give it communicatively. Amen. We ought to communicate it. Amen. Hey, I did good getting through all of those words. Amen. We ought to communicate it. Amen. And the reason why we ought to do that is because there's a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear it because there are struggling Christians that need to be encouraged and need to be lifted up. There's brothers and sisters in Christ, amen, that are carrying heavy burdens of the life, amen, that is uh, having struggles in it, amen, and they need someone to come along and to give them the Word of God and some truth or some strengthening verse or devotional thought that God has strengthened you with and helped you with to help them pick them uh, amen, to pick them up, for the Word of God to pick them up, and to help them to go forward another mile, amen, and for you and I to do that kind of articulate and, uh, and effectual kind of declaration of truth, to be preachers of the Word in that sense, amen, for you to communicate God's Word, for you to speak God's Word, you must know God's Word. Let me encourage you. If there are, if there's areas in your life you say, I just don't know, and I believe all of us are there in some way, shape, or fashion, but I do not know God's Word like I could or like I should. If there is any way in which you could declare God's Word, if you just knew it a little better, if you just had a closer relationship with it, if you just studied it a little more, read it a little more, read it a little clear, more clearly, amen, took a little bit more time in it, amen, if there's ever anything when it comes to declaring God's Word that you wish you could do, or moments in life where it would have been advantageous for you to be able to share God's Word, but you were deficient in that area because you didn't know or because you hadn't studied enough or hadn't read enough or hadn't had the relationship with God's Word that you could have had and that you should have had. Amen. Then you need to make sure. I'm not, I'm not trying to browbeat anybody. I'm not trying to come down on you. We're all there from time to time. But can I encourage us tonight if we've ever been in that case, if we've ever been in that shape, amen, let's pick our Bibles up a little bit more. Let's spend time in a little bit more. Let's know more about God and about His Word. Amen. Because there's people, not just ourselves that need to know it, although we do. There's other people out there that you could be used by God to help. You could be used by God as that uh, person that is the, the only person standing between you and that individual that you know between them and a eternity in hell. There could be that you're the only one standing between that weak Christian 
and another uh, day of despair and discouragement and depression. Amen. I've known plenty of Christians that were good Christians and loved God with their whole hearts. Amen. That looked at the end, uh, looked at their life and saw no end in sight and took desperate and tragic actions because of it. I would hate to stay in on the day of judgment and know that if I just knew, spend a little bit more time with my Bible and let God put his word in my heart and his truth in my life that I could have made the difference in somebody's life, whether it be saved or lost, somebody's eternity, somebody's service here and now, somebody's reward in future days. Amen. I'd hope that God would help me. And if we apply myself, God will help me to grow in my relationship with his word. Amen. In the work of the ministry, we should do it everywhere. We should share God's word and preach God's word as believers everywhere we go. But before we do that, we've got to know God's word to speak about God's word. Tonight, <coughs> I do have several other thoughts to give <coughs> that I had prepared for tonight, but I believe right there will be done. Let's let God search our heart. We need to have a better relationship with God's Word. Why? Because there just might be somebody out there that wants to hear it. There might be someone out there. There might be a Sergius Paulus that God will bring in your life that desires to hear the Word of God. And why does he desire to hear it so much? It's because if you read that passage there in Luke 13 that we, or excuse me, Acts 13 that we just skimmed over just a few moments ago, it's because Sergius Paulus knew how much he needed it in his life. It was an intrigue with the Word of God, what was being taught, what its effects would be to him that drew him to the Word that eventually drew him to Christ. I'm telling you tonight, we need a relationship with God. We see it right here in the pages of the book of Acts. And I encourage you tonight, do not let the, the ministry of the book of Acts and the truth of the book of Acts stop with these men and stop with these early Christians. The actions of the apostles, amen, the actions of Christ's uh, followers, amen, doesn't have to stop with those apostles. But it, continue, it can continue with you and I that are servants and followers of Christ in our day. Those three simple truths tonight. Number one, when God's Word is preached and received, it's shared, it's effect spread. When God's Word is given, there will be some that desire to hear it. And then in the work of the ministry, we should do it everywhere we go because there will be some that will be affected by it. Let's search our hearts with these truths tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm done preaching tonight. Thank you for your kind attention as we've preached the Word of the Lord this evening. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.